It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. And thank you for subscribing. I appreciate that as well. Go to the PeteCallenerShow.com, click the subscribe button. It's also available on every major podcasting platform, as well as the minor ones as well. Um, special thanks to Grant, David, Cindy, Eric, Dan, Joshua, Christian, Stephanie, Casey, Mary. They all became patrons of the program. Had a lot of fun on the live stream last night. We went, I usually try to plan the live streams for about an hour, and I never, <laughs> I never keep it to an hour. It always goes long. Last night was like an hour and a half. Uh, so if you become a patron, you get exclusive content like that. Uh, so go check out thepetecalendarshow.com. There is a link at the top for exclusive content. That'll get you there. Um, so the lieutenant governor of North Carolina, Mark Robinson, is seriously considering a run for the U.S. Senate race. Uh, we've kind of been uh, kicking this story around for the last few days. There was a, a anonymously sourced story in the Carolina Journal. It was written by Dallas Woodhouse, who's the former executive director of the North Carolina Republican Party. So. Uh, while I trust that people told him that, you always got to wonder why are they putting this story out there? And when you don't know who the sources are, you always have to hold out the possibility that somebody could be doing it for you know nefarious reasons. In other words, to try to jam up somebody, hurt their brand, that kind of thing. Um, but now it appears that uh, Robinson has, con it doesn't appear, he has confirmed that he is in fact looking at this. So he put out a video on Facebook yesterday and i got the audio of it here so let's take a listen here's lieutenant governor mark robinson hi everybody this is uh, lieutenant governor mark robinson um, coming to you here today from my office um, just want to talk to you about what i'm sure most of you all have already heard about the rumors about me running for the u.s senate uh, first off let me say this running for senate is not something that was even on our radar in this office it's not something that we ever considered uh, but in recent weeks, uh, we have been approached by many people who have great confidence in us, uh, have great confidence in our ability and our staff and our message, and believe that we are the right people for this job. We also uh, had an opportunity to look at some numbers, poll numbers, and those poll numbers are very favorable uh, to us. Uh, because of that, and because of the importance of this seat, uh, we have decided to take a serious look at this, uh, at this race. And when I say take a look, that is exactly what we, we are doing. We are sitting down and we are consulting with those that we trust and with our families. And we're, we've been praying uh, uh, to the Father that he give us the right answer on what we should do. Uh, and and let, me, let me be plain with this. Uh, my experience so far since 2018 in this has been a, a spiritual journey. Uh, in 2018, I was well on my way to obtaining a bachelor's degree and then uh, even had some offers out there uh, to teach, which is what I, I wanted to do, to teach at the college level. But God turned me around and had me go a different direction, a completely different direction. Uh, while I was out speaking all over the country, uh, there were many people that wanted me to do, uh, continue to do that. But again, God turned me around and had me do something completely different, which was run for lieutenant, lieutenant governor. And here I am, uh, winning that seat. 
And here again, God again has uh, seems to be opening up a door that uh, he either wants me to walk through or explore. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're giving this a look. And the reason why we're giving it a look, I'm not doing this. I am not doing this to climb anybody's ladder. I would hope that you all have heard me enough and know me enough to know that politics is not an end game for me. The end game for me is to making sure that the freedoms that we have in this country remain. And then I pass on to my grandchildren what our founders passed on to me. That is the goal here. And as such, we feel like the federal government has just gotten out of control. You see what's going on in our federal government. This attempt to pack the court to diminish your Second Amendment rights and continue to push these wild ideas of the left. We've got to stop that somehow. I want to be part of that. And that's not to say that we have decided to run because we have not, but we are exploring that issue. And we're taking a look at it because I want to do whatever it is to be most effective for this state and this nation. To that end, this is what I would like for you all to do. Understand that we have not made a decision, that we are in consultation with people that we trust and that we are praying on our knees every day for the right answer on what we should do. I want you all to join me in those prayers. And I'd also like to hear your opinions as well. Because guys, it is because of you that I sit in the Lieutenant Governor's office now. It's not because uh, of anything else. It's because we, we followed the will of God and the people heard our message and you believed in it and you propelled us to this seat. We wanna do what's right for you. This is a great decision. Join me as we make it and help us. Send us your prayers, send us your thoughts, send us your ideas. We need you at this time and help us to make the right decision for our family. God bless you all, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you very much. All right, so there was the statement, and uh, it was taken down off of Facebook. Um, there's nothing nefarious. Facebook wasn't blocking it. They're going to, as I understand it, they're going to be putting out a revised uh, statement along the same lines. I think it had to do with the setting of the uh, of the statement. At any rate, he mentioned in the um, he mentioned in his comments there that uh, the polling is favorable for him. And this was sort of a so remember the other day, Pat McCrory announced on his radio show that he was uh, going to run for U.S. Senate. He was formally announcing later that day there was polling that got released that that sort of big footed McCrory's announcement. And um, the polling shows Mark Robinson leading McCrory by six points. This is a question that was put out, I think, as a signal. It's a uh, GOP firm. And the question was, if the Republican primary election for U.S. Senate was held today and you had to make a choice, who would you vote for? Now, I don't like the fact that they say, who would you vote for? And then they offer, as one of the responses, undecided. Because they say right there, you had to make a choice. Well, if you have to make a choice, then you can't be undecided. you got to make a choice. I mean, maybe it just should say leave it blank because maybe somebody would leave it blank. I don't know. Um, I just think, and that's a pretty sizable chunk. It's 13%. So um, anyway, so Mark Robinson comes out at 20% in that poll and McCrory comes out at 14%. The But Robinson wasn't the top uh, response. You know who was the top votainer here? Lara Trump. Or Laura Trump, Laura, Laura Trump. I don't know how. How does she pronounce that first name? It's L A R A. Lara. Uh, she has thirty-two percent. So she is obviously the favorite. 
among the respondents to this GOP primary survey. So if she does not get in, where do her votes go? And of course, there's an assumption here that, you know, she's a good campaigner. She has positions that uh, the base identifies with and they love her. And it does, you know, there's a lot of assumptions built in there because you don't really know anything about her except for her work on the campaign trail for her father-in-law, Donald Trump. And she did very well. She's a former media person. She's from Wilmington, although she hasn't uh, you know, she's been living up in uh, New York, I think, for a while with Eric Trump. That's her husband. And um, uh, she has uh, and she went to NC State. So she has roots. It's not a complete, you know, carpetbagger kind of a situation here. Uh, and she's you know very popular, obviously, but she's never run a race for herself. She's never held elective office. U.S. Senate is kind of a, it's an, you know, it's an interesting entry level gig <laughs> in uh, uh, in politics. So. There's a lot of unknowns there, but she's still at like 32%. And number two is Mark Robinson. Now, number three is Pat McCrory at 14%, followed by Undecided at 13 And then behind Undecided is Dan Forrest at 127 so almost 13%. Um, and then, you got, then you're got then you down into the single digits with um, Mark Walker at 3%, Ted Budd at 2.8%, and uh, who else is the other one? Oh, Tim Moore, the Speaker of the House, at like 1.2%, and Michael Watley, the chairman of the GOP. I don't know why uh, he would be in there. But uh, anyway, yeah, so they're, they're in there. And um, those are the top three votainers, right? These are the top three more pop, most popular candidates, Lara Trump, Mark Robinson, Pat McCrory. If Trump does not get in, where do her votes go? Where does that support go? Do you think votes for Trump in a primary, remember, do they go for McCrory or do they go go towards Robinson? Do they go to Walker? Yeah, there's a lot of unknowns. What's not unknown is that you need equipment to do battle with your lawn and the shrubs and the trees, everything that's going through the massive growth spurts right now in the springtime. You need the tools, the equipment to do battle with them. And so you go to general equipment rental. So whether you want to buy the tool because you need it for, you know, permanent uh, vegetation warfare, or uh, you just need to rent one. Maybe you just need to, you know, get a chainsaw and just level everything and then give the chainsaw back because you don't need it after that. You took everything down. Um, well, either way, general equipment rental is your place to go. Uh, obviously, they've got all of the equipment and tools that you need to rent for any project, big or small, uh, from, you know, chainsaws to trimmers to uh, big stuff like earth movers to, you know, big chop saws and stuff like that, generators tillers, pressure washers, uh, they and they also service what they sell, by the way. They are your official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. It means they're specialists, which means that they know what the deals are. They know the equipment. They know the differences in models. They know the differences between years, like improvements that get made each year. Uh, so go check them out at generalrents.com or uh, go on into their store. They're located in Weaverville on Merriman Avenue uh, at the intersection there uh, with uh, Reams Creek Road. General Equipment Rental generalrents.com. Think outside your toolbox. Here's another uh, survey. This is from a story. Where did I pick this up? This is, oh, actually by Clayton Henkel at NC Policy Watch, the left-wing website. And uh, here it is. Uh, Recent polling conducted for Pat McCrory shows that he would enter the race with a large lead over Walker and Bud. But uh, as well, he also has extremely high name identification among likely Republican primary voters. This is according to a copy of the polling memo obtained by Politico. 
And uh, there was a Meredith College poll as well uh, that of 700 North Carolina voters that was conducted in March. It found most voters um, are undecided, which I guess makes you know some bit of sense. They, they 85 uh, out of the 217 are undecided, so 39 percent are undecided at this point, and that makes sense. Uh, we don't even know who all is going to be in it, right? Uh, so McCrory, hey, he's got where is he? Do 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 sixteen point six, so seventeen percent uh, of the potential vote in this poll. Mark Walker's got seven. Ted Budd's got six. Somebody else has four. That's like that's literally one of the answers. Someone else has four, but the number one person in this poll also, Lara Trump. So if Lara Trump gets in, she becomes the automatic favorite. Now, does that mean that Robinson is waiting to see what she does? I think that makes sense, right? I think that's reasonable. I think it's rational that you want uh, to make sure that if she's going to enter the race and she's going to be the favorite among the the base and you're not going to be able to compete with her, nor do you want to particularly, uh, that it makes sense to kind of hang back. But until we know what she's going to do, and at this point now, it's kind of getting a little frustrating <laughs> <laughs> Especially, can you imagine, you know, you're going to run your race. I know that's what all the campaigns will say. You know, we're going to run our race, focus on our race and all that. And they say that, but we all know that they're all watching to see what she does too. Um, and just that unknown factor, which by the way, you know, some some folks will will hang back and wait. I think Robinson is probably one of those going to hang back and wait. But others say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and make my own decision. I'm going to go ahead and do this. And, you know, maybe this will, you know, if you get enough people in the race, then it'll convince her not to get in. Uh, We'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I also saw that Hugh Hewitt, the talk show host out of California, not a fan of Pat McCrory, although he called him Rory McCrory. Not exactly sure. Why? But not a fan of Pat McCrory because Pat McCrory lost two of the three statewide races he has been in. And that is like that is the reality of the situation. He enjoys uh, good name ID. I said this the other day, I think doing that radio show in Charlotte for three years now, um, I think that helped uh, rebuild some of his brand. Um, I will tell you that when I went down there uh, over a year ago and I uh, was talking to the then general manager, he said that you know he's got people in the building that work you know not uh, uh, for Pat McCory but people in the building that work in other departments and stuff that politically like they hate Pat McCory but they see him in the hallways and they're, and they're they're trying to balance this idea that like they hate him for his politics but he's such a nice guy <laughs> so and I suspect that that comes through I know it does I know it comes through on his on the radio show so those three years I think probably helped improve his approval numbers and support down in the Charlotte area and anywhere within reach of that um, of that signal and people who listened on the podcasts as well because they would podcast the shows. So I think that was helpful. But with the name recognition that he already has, people know who he is, right? People know who he is, especially Republican primary voters. So is there room to grow there? It, can he you know, can he make gains among people that know who he is but don't support him? Is there a lot of wiggle room there for him? And I think you look at these other candidates, you know, Mark Walker, for example, even in the Republican primary, these Republican statewide voters, they don't really know who he is. That's why he's going around, you know, campaigning all over the state. Um, Ted Budd, who has not announced uh, that he's going to run, but has suggested that he's interested in thinking about it kind of thing. Um, he's going to have the same challenge. You know, you're a district congressman now trying to run statewide. McCrory has already done that. And so everybody knows him. 
Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, he has run statewide and won statewide. The problem with him, and this was, this is like Christy, my wife, she's sort of my canary in the coal mine on stuff like this. Because when I said Mark Robinson to her yesterday, uh, she said, oh, the school's guy. And I didn't, I, I didn't piece it together because I thought, yeah, he's on the school board because he's a lieutenant governor. It's a member of the state school board. But that's like, that's really in the weeds. And then I learned, uh, you know, in the course of the conversation, Christy said <laughs> that wasn't he, wasn't the guy that was on your show all the time? I'm like, oh, no, no, that was Mark Johnson. So Mark Johnson was the former uh, superintendent for public instruction and ran for lieutenant governor in the Republican primary, and he lost. Mark Johnson lost to Mark Robinson. So maybe there's some confusion there still, right? That's why I said, like, she's sort of my barometer for, like, awareness of that sort of thing. So, like, she knows who Robinson is, but do but there is still a lot of people that are not quite sure who he is. So he still has room to grow in that area, to build more name recognition and for people to become more aware of him specifically and not be like, oh, was that the guy who ran for that office, whatever, or that other guy? I, less brand confusion. So, and he's already at a higher approval number than Pat, than Pat McCrory. And let's face it, as lieutenant governor, there's really not a lot that he's got going on. <laughs> I know, and I, I don't mean that. I'm not trying to be insulting. I'm not saying he's doing nothing. But like the lieutenant governor, and I've talked about this for years, lieutenant governor office, it really doesn't have a lot of responsibilities. So if any office uh, holder is going to run for another seat, then, yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense it would be the lieutenant governor because the the office just doesn't wield a lot of power. You don't have a lot of responsibilities. And by the way, you can thank the Democrats for that because they stripped the lieutenant governor's office of a bunch of its powers years ago when a Republican won the race. And so they didn't want a Republican having any power, so they stripped all the powers from the lieutenant governor, which is why when they cry about the Republicans stripping power from the governor, when Cooper got elected, like, yeah, go find another shoulder to cry on because you guys did the same thing to the Republican lieutenant governor. So uh, fair is fair, guys, right? Consistent application of standards. Now, there was a piece of criticism that he addressed head on, which I think was very smart for Robinson to do which is this idea that, you know, he got into office and now he's looking to make another jump to another office. I have expressed this concern because, as I mentioned the other day, uh, you've got uh, examples where people get elected and they start running for other offices and voters get kind of ticked off at them. And so then they throw them out. And in Asheville, the city councilman Keith Young is a pretty good example of that. I have no idea if Democrats tossed him specifically for that reason. I just think it doesn't endear him to others when you're always wondering if the guy is going to run for another office. And this was, by the way, one of the the knocks on Pat McCrory when he was mayor, because all of the Democrats were always talking about, oh, Pat's going to run for some other office. Pat's going to run for some other office. And they always wanted to get him on the record. You know, are you going to fulfill your term? It's like it's a two year mayoral term. <laughs> like, uh, And uh, so there, there's always this concern that you put somebody in the office and then they're just using it as a stepping stone to climb the ladder. And to mix my metaphors. And um, I think Robinson addressed it well, right? He said, uh, the importance of this seat, the poll numbers, and the concerns of the federal government basically going nuts on on us right now, right? The Democrats are running wild. And uh, yesterday, when uh, right before the uh, the video was posted in the afternoon by Robinson, you know, there was the big announcement from the Democrats that they're going to pack the court. They're going to pack the U.S. Supreme Court. And uh, he said that he specifically referenced that. And I wonder if that is 
a motivation that's driving some of this, right? Like, I'm going to make a difference. Where am I going to make a difference? I'm going to make a difference by stopping that from happening. All right, more on that in a minute. Uh, If you would like to sleep through the night and stop your insomnia from happening, that sort of thing, like I used to wake up in the middle of the night uh, at least, you know, two times, and it would take me about half an hour to go back back to bed each time. It was not a restful uh, sleep, and that's the way I've been my entire life. Uh, Then I started taking Grower's Hemp. Full spectrum hemp extract. It's a CBD product, and um, I started taking that, and I sleep through the night. So, if you are interested in trying CBD, try Growers Hemp because these are North Carolina farmers. They control the whole process from seed all the way to shelf. You get better quality, better prices, and you're supporting North Carolina family farms. I have seen the operation. Full disclosure: one of the uh, founders of the company is my brother-in-law. So I can personally tell you, like, I've actually helped unload when they went and picked up a bunch of the crop and they have them in these big, you know, white uh, bags and you just I helped them pull them off the truck. They showed me the the whole process. The I, I don't know what it's called. I call it the distillation process. And maybe it is. Um, but it's it's amazing. It's like the technology is insane. So support local farmers and, uh, you know. Lower tension, deeper sleep, immune system resilience. Go to growershemp.com. Here's the uh, disclaimer that I got to give you that uh, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research, and the products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nothing I've said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider, so consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Go to growershemp.com, use my name, Pete, for 20% off at checkout. GrowersHemp.com, promo code Pete, from North Carolina Farmers to you and your home, Growers Hemp. It's about the hemp and not the hype. So in his remarks, dealing with the criticism that, you know, oh, you're just trying to climb this ladder for personal political gain, um, he said politics is not an end game for him. His end game is to make sure that the freedoms we have in this country remain and that he passes on to his grandchildren what our founders passed on to him. And looking at the federal government um, greatly concerns him. And he mentions specifically the packing of the courts, which, by the way, let me address this again. Um, When Democrats tell you that Republicans packed the courts by simply filling vacancies, they are lying to you. I always feel the need to point this out because people on the left are convinced that packing the courts means simply putting your people into open seats. That is not packing the courts. You can come up with another term. You can call it stacking the courts if you'd like. You want it to sound ooh aggressive and you know unethical or something. No, there's an empty seat on a bench. You put somebody in it. That is not packing the courts. Packing the court is adding more seats so as to reverse the majoritarian views on that court. Right. In other words, if you've got a like on the Supreme Court, it's six to three or five to four. You know, conservative versus liberal. Then you put four more seats on the court and you get now a progressive majority, a Marxist majority. Yay. Uh, Right. Like that's that's the idea. You're not packing the court by filling empty seats. You're expanding the court. Now, you want to call it expanding the court. That's fine. But don't redefine the term. Do not redefine the term. I'm so frustrated with these people and their abuse of the language. So. Let me talk a little bit about this packing the court idea just before I go into some other topics here, because when um, where do the Democratic candidates that are running for the U.S. Senate in North Carolina, where do they stand on this? This is iconoclasm. This is the tearing down of an institution, this court packing idea. Right. 
And this would be a direct rejection of the wishes of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, okay, who I'm old enough to remember when Democrats told us we have to abide her wishes. They must be respected. Remember this? When she died, there was the story that I think it was what her niece or her granddaughter or grandniece or whatever, you know, was at her deathbed and said, all right, I just came out from the deathbed and, you know, Auntie Ruth said, don't fill the seat until after the election. She she was very firm about this. She told me just before she died. And no, I can't confirm that in any other way, shape or form. You just got to take my word for it. Okay. And the Democrats were like, well, if Ruth Bader Ginsburg says that, then we need to respect her wishes. Well, Ruth Bader Ginsburg also said, don't pack the court. Right. And they said that the Republicans needed to follow her wishes. And now they're ignoring her wishes. This is a point that Jim Garrity makes in his Morning Jolt newsletter from National Review. Congressional Democrats make it official, introducing legislation to expand the Supreme Court to 13 justices, presumably establishing a seven to six living constitution, progressive majority and disregarding the warnings from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Stephen Breyer, and also a former U.S. senator by the name of Joe Biden. Uh, This is an explicit embrace of court packing. He says, I just cannot believe that House and Senate Democrats would dishonor the wishes of the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg like this. Here is where um, Ginsburg was particularly wise, he says. Even if you disagree with many of her opinions on the bench, the entire system of government in the United States is dependent upon the consent of the governed, particularly the judicial branch. Okay. When the court rules a certain way, why do Americans obey the ruling? Because we have all agreed, or at least almost all of us have agreed, that under our constitutional system, the U.S. Supreme Court has the final say on this stuff. If a majority of justices determine that a particular law is unconstitutional, then it is null and void, and everybody acquiesces to this although congress can start over and they can attempt to pass you know another version of the bill that's consistent with the constitution you know it goes back uh to the legislative process and uh it didn't have to be this way by the way marbury versus madison in 1803 sorted out that congress did not have power to modify the constitution through regular legislation because the supremacy clause puts the constitution before the laws and establish the principle of judicial review in other words The court's power to declare a law is unconstitutional. That's what this case was about. For what it's worth, uh, you know, legal scholars still disagree with this idea of judicial supremacy. But for now, based on precedent, if the Supreme Court says it's unconstitutional, that's it. And everybody respects that. If you pack that court, add four other people, I can tell you half the country ain't going to respect the law anymore. I won't. Why would you? Why would anybody? Do you think the left would respect rulings that came down from, you know, a, a, a packed Supreme Court of, you know, four new conservative justices. It's it, it's insanity, like using some other real estate agent besides Rowena Patton to buy or sell a home. It's like that level of his of insanity. I don't understand it. Call Rowena Patton at 333-4483 or go to her website, mountainhomehunt.com and uh, get her to sell your home. She'll do it quickly and for more money. This is what she does. If you're looking to buy, she has homes in all price points. If you're looking to sell, 
Uh, she's got buyers lined up already. She's the official Homes for Heroes real estate agent in Asheville. This is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions. And uh, this goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military. So veterans, active duty, and retirees. She's given back $800,000 to local folks. Give her a call at 333-4483 and then start packing. Jim Garrity goes on to say that the U.S. Supreme Court's job is not to please everybody. Plenty of conservatives are outraged still about Roe v. Wade. A lot of lefties are outraged about the Heller decision. Um, The fact that the court reached a decision you don't like uh, is not evidence that the judicial branch is, quote, broken. Charlie Cook at National Review uh, has laid out how the rallying cry of the sore loser is that the system is broken and how many Americans conclude that any result they don't like must be the worst of a nefarious hidden conspiracy. Now, Antonin Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, the now deceased uh, uh, Supreme Court justices, uh, you know, they disagreed on a lot, but they had a friendship, but they also had an interest in ensuring the Supreme Court was a widely respected and trusted institution. Once you join an institution, particularly one with a lifetime membership, he says, you got a strong incentive to protect and enhance its reputation. And uh, sure, they would have loved to have seen the court move you know, more to the left, but they determined that it's not worth it if the court loses the public's faith along the way. And uh, get this, Joe Biden, when he, when he was a U.S. senator, uh, he talked about Roosevelt's attempt to pack the court, his threat to intimidate the court into getting what he wanted, which is precisely what happened. He did get what he wanted. President Roosevelt, though, uh, this uh, or I should say Joe Biden talking about Roosevelt's court packing scheme, he called it a bonehead idea. He said it put in question if for an entire decade, the independence of the most significant body, including the Congress, in my view, The most significant body in this country, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Joe Biden said that, called it a boneheaded idea. But it might be a boneheaded idea that prompts Mark Robinson to run for U.S. Senate. Um, Speaking of which, you know, Mark Robinson has also been, uh, you know, an opponent of uh, the the critical race theory, this Black Lives Matter movement and their uh, excesses and such. Um, and so, you know, he is uniquely positioned uh, to do battle in these fights. Um, now, there has been some developments. We covered the other day all of the homes that the Black Lives Matter uh, leader has purchased because Marxism pays uh, pretty well, apparently, and uh, how she is protected uh, by this uh, this woman's name is Patrice Con Cullors, how she is protected and funded by the evil corporations, uh, you know, as a Marxist, as all good Marxists are, you know, funded by the corporations and then protected by the corporations. Um, she has now gotten another level of protection, this time from Facebook. And I confirmed this yesterday. I tried to share an article, the very article that I covered a couple of days ago from uh, the New York Post. And when you try to share this article, it blocks it. It says that uh, the content violates their community standards. Okay. Uh, this is from foxnews.com by Joseph Wolfson. Facebook has barred users from sharing a New York Post report from last week about the controversial property acquisitions by Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Kahn-Cullers. 
uh, four homes, you know, worth over like three million dollars. Uh, and she was also like shopping for some like multi-million dollar property down in the Bahamas. Anyway, users of the social media giant noticed on Thursday they could not share the link to a story that shed light on her uh, splurge, multi-million dollar splurge on homes. Twitter took similar actions last week, locking the account of sports journalist Jason Whitlock after he criticized the BLM co-founder. Twitter later reversed that decision, claiming it was just a mistake. Black Lives Matter put out a fiery statement defending Kohler's this week, suggesting that reporting about her properties continues a, quote, tradition of terror by white supremacists against black activists. And this is where I point out that she bought all of her homes in white neighborhoods around all of the white supremacists, I guess. Uh, Then she went on to uh, a program with Mark Lamont Hill, and she explains how her home ownership and income do not betray her Marxist principles. And uh, I will go over that in a minute. First, you need to go over to Old Grouch's Military Surplus, downtown Clyde on Main Street. Been there for 30 years. Shop is open Monday through Saturday, um, and go check out all of the real U.S. military surplus, you know, from jackets, uh, camo, uh, all sorts of, like, hunting equipment and outdoor gear, first aid kits, backpacks, ammo cans, which are great for storage, like in the truck or in the shed or whatever. Um, Also, gun accessories. Yeah, the number of people applying for weapons has gone through the roof. I wonder why. Tons of accessories, slings, magazine pouches, other accessories for the guns. Uh, So uh, head on down to Old Grouch's Military Surplus, downtown Clyde, and at oldgrouch.com. So here is the audio of Patrice Cullors speaking with Mark Lamont Hill. Also a critique, though, from the left that would say... Um, if you are a trained Marxist, if we're talking about a certain kind of radical politic, that extravagant homes of any sort or multiple properties of any sort is itself contradictory to the ideology that you hold. And so it's not about having money per se, but that it's about uh, or about property per se, but it's about there being a potential contradiction between your express politics and your lived practice. Sure. And I think that is a critique that is um, wanting. And I say that because um, the, the, the way that I live my life is in direct support to Black people, including my Black family members, uh, first and foremost. And uh, for so many Black folks who are able to invest um, in themselves and their community, they choose to invest in their family. And that's what I've chosen to do. Oh. Um, I have a child. I have a brother that has severe mental illness that I take care of. Um, I support my mother. Um, and I support many other family members of mine. And so I see um, uh, my money as not my own. I see it as um, my family's money as well. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> so... Hey, charity starts at home. Am I right? <laughs> this is uh, Jeff Blair. Uh, he said, shamelessness is always compelling. And Jonah Goldberg at, uh, what's he write for now? The Dispatch. He says, yeah, Mao was very generous to his family also. So this totally checks out. Yeah. And... <laughs> Noam Bloom, uh, he's a uh, he's a writer. Anyway, he's he said he went on to Twitter and he's like, I got to hand it to her. Uh, the whole, you know, my aim is to help black people and I am black. So I decided 
that the person I'd focus on helping is myself. That is an impressive defense of being a Marxist while getting rich off of Black Lives Matter. <laughs> right? They never see it. The, the rules never apply to them. The, like, this was completely predictable. And on the one hand, it's disgusting, right? And it's hypocrite. Uh, it's uh, hypocritical, uh, and it's clearly dishonest and uh, unethical. Um, but on the other hand. Like, you got to admire the brazenness of it. They're just like, I don't care. I just don't care. Yes, I'm a Marxist, but I'm going to totally profit out of the capitalist system and I'm going to get wealthy and screw all you people. Give me your money. And, you know, charity begins with me. And, you know, it's all about black lives and I'm a black life. And so it goes to me. Like, this is this is why you don't want people like this in charge of government. People like this of this mentality. Okay. And this is why the founding fathers tried to limit government, because this is how most people behave. And it, it, this is why you know real socialism has never been tried. Why? Why not? Why do you think that is? It's because when you give people this kind of power, they look out for themselves first. It is rare that you find people that abandon all of their wealth, give it all away to people, to others, right? And like take a vow of poverty. Like you could count on one hand, right? You got Jesus, Gandhi, um, Mother Teresa, maybe maybe like Buddha, right? I, I don't know. Like you could count on one hand how many people do this in world history. <laughs> so that's why you say, you know what? Let's not give people this kind of power, right? Let's not put them in charge of other people's lives. That's the principle of limited government. I do not begrudge her for making a bunch of money off of stupid, you know, white guilt ridden people. I'm like, I'm not. You, you saw a niche market, you attacked it and you cornered the market. Good for you. You made, you know, tens of millions of dollars. You bought four homes. You're taking care of all your family. Fantastic for you, sincerely. But you should not be in charge of any policy whatsoever. And of course, now uh, Facebook is running cover for her on this. Why? Here is the violation of the community standard. Okay, this is according to Facebook. The articles shared multiple details which could identify the residence of one of the BLM founders in violation of her privacy rights. Okay, so that's the standard that you're not allowed to share information that might identify someone's uh, home, where they live, which is news, I'm sure, to a whole bunch of conservatives that have had videos splashed all over the place and shared on social media, Facebook included, uh, about where they live, the protests out in front of their homes, right? No problem there. Tim Pool, who is the podcaster guy on YouTube, and he says, this is really weird. Uh, recently, a major news outlet posted information about where I lived, which resulted in doxing and um, uh, threats. Uh, Facebook didn't seem to care, he said. Yeah, there's a big write-up about Tim Pool living in a mansion <laughs> in, what, Baltimore or something like that. So Facebook censors this, and uh, this comes on the same day that Project Veritas's founder, James O'Keefe, uh, got himself permanently suspended off of Twitter. Project Veritas has been releasing videos of this guy, Charles Chester, uh, who is um, he's an employee of CNN. And uh, I forget what his I keep forgetting what his official title is. Um, it's like a research director or something like that. Anyway, um, they put out another undercover video. And this one shows Chester admitting that the network is trying to help Black Lives Matter. 
He makes the admission while discussing his uh, apparent observ- or reservations over the network making isolated incidents of black on Asian hate crimes reflect poorly on all black people. He says, right, this was one of the problems when they were like, stop Asian hate. And everybody was like, yes, let's get on this one. And they all started piling on. And then it's like, oh, when you look at the numbers and you see all these cases, like the vast majority of hate crimes against Asians is at the hands of black perpetrators. And yikes. He says, I was trying to do some research on like the Asian hate and like the people who are getting attacked and whatnot. Um, and uh, he says, but that's when he started realizing like the optics are not good. A bunch of black men have been attacking Asians. So I'm like, what are you doing? Like, we at CNN, like, we're trying to help with the BLM. And you're like, going to mean, no, I mean, it's individuals. You know, it's, you know, it's not like all people. <laughs> right? So you got to make that distinction here. CNN avoids racial issues, he said, unless it somehow directly implicates white people. And so the day that that video comes out, James O'Keefe gets booted from twitter and twitter says it had nothing to do with the content no 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 it had to do with you operating um fake accounts or multiple accounts to sort of spread and amplify your message and twitter said that o'keefe's account was suspended for allegedly violating rules against platform manipulation and spam and james o'keefe responded I am suing you. <laughs> I am going to sue you because for defamation because I do not operate fake accounts. This is false and defamatory and they will pay, he says. Section 230 may have protected them before. That's the code in the law about, you know, publisher versus platform, that kind of thing. Um, he says may have protected you before, but it will not protect them from me. I may have added some affectation to that. The complaint is going to be filed on Monday. Um, So there's that. Meanwhile, real quick here, the Washington Post's Josh Rogan uh, went on to the Megyn Kelly podcast, and he talks about how uh, Anthony Fauci is, like, unable to be criticized in anything, and no one's allowed to talk about uh, any of his connections to the Wuhan lab. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to get into this uh, in a minute. First, get into bed by getting a great mattress from Mattress Man. That's what you need to do. Go to Mattress Man, mattressmanstores.com. Get yourself a great bed, and uh, you can check out all the inventory on their website or go into any of the four stores. They've got them in Asheville, Hendersonville, and Arden, their new location on Airport Road in the IHOP Shopping Center there. Go check it out, and they're running a great deal. I call it the free upgrade deal. And it, it basically is a free upgrade uh, because you you pay for a queen, but you get a king size mattress or you pay for a twin and you get like triplets. No, I'm kidding. You pay for <laughs> you pay for a twin size bed and you get a queen size bed. Right. Like that's awesome. That is an awesome deal. Now, Mattress Man is the exclusive retailer of the Biltmore Collection. Uh, This is the line of mattresses made by Restonic in Fayetteville. Uh, So right here in North Carolina. So you're supporting North Carolina jobs. Um, You can get free local five-star delivery service. Of course, if you want to just load it in your truck and take it with you, they they can accommodate that as well. They run deals on that as well throughout the year. Uh, They have a 120-day comfort guarantee, and uh, they ship nationwide. Let the sleep consultants help you find the right bed for you. Everybody sleeps differently, different positions and stuff. And so the kind of mattress that you have uh, can accommodate or, you know, maybe not so much, your better sleep depending on how you sleep, your position. They can they know all of this stuff. I do not. 
I don't know all of this stuff. I know a lot of stuff, but I don't know this stuff. So go talk to the sleep consultants at Mattress Man. And uh, remember, they got tons of flexible financing options. Use your tax refund for this. Use your Biden bucks for it. Um, you can also get no interest for up to two years. Experience the difference at Mattress Man, mattressmanstores.com. Buy local and sleep better. Right. So the Washington Post has a columnist named Josh Rogan, and uh, he went on to the podcast, did an interview with Megyn Kelly. And here's what he said, quote, some of what he said, quote, this body of research, this gain of function research that the whole world of virologists, it's all very insular, he said. I often talk to scientists who say the same thing. They say, listen, we really want to speak out about this, but we can't do it. Why can't we do it? Well, We all get our funding from the NIH or the NIAID, which is run by Dr. Anthony Fauci. And uh, so we can't say anything like, oh, gain of function research might be dangerous or it might have come from a lab because we're going to lose our careers. We're going to lose our funding and then we're not going to be able to do our work. What is gain of function? I covered this a couple of uh, months ago. Gain of function research focuses on artificially enhancing the, the transmissibility of pathogens, okay? According to Rudy Takala's piece at Mediaite.com, in the five years prior to the coronavirus pandemic, this research, this gain-of-function research, was spearheaded in China by the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The U.S. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the NIAID, which Fauci has led since 1984, oversees funding for most of the related research in America. The agency falls under the National Institutes of Health, the NIH. And this is what Rogan said, quote, the head of the funding, the head of the entire field, really, is Anthony Fauci. He's the godfather of gain of function research as we know it. That said, uh, or he says that what I said right there is too hot for TV because people don't want to think about the fact that our hero of the pandemic might also have been connected to this research, which might also have been connected to the outbreak. Fauci appeared before Congress and Congressman Jim Jordan had some questions for him. If you haven't heard this, sit down. This is this is going to be a fun ride. The chair now recognizes Mr. Jordan for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Dr. Fauci, when is the time? When is the time? Fauci is talking, but his mic is off. Well, in your written statement, you say now is not the time to pull back on masking, physical distancing and avoiding congregate settings. When is the time? When do Americans get their freedom back? Can you put your microphone on, please? When we get the level of infection in this country low enough that it is not a really high. Threat. What is low enough? Give me a number. What I mean, I, we've, we had 15 days to slow the spread, turn into one year of lost liberty. What metrics, what measures? What has to happen before yeah. Americans get my, their freedoms? Back? My message, uh, Congressman Jordan, is to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as we possibly can to get the level of infection in this country low, that it is no longer a threat. That is when. And I believe when that happens, you will see. What determines when? I'm sorry. What? What measure? What, I mean, are, are we just going to continue this forever? Or when does when does no. when do we get to the point? What measure? What standard? What objective uh, outcome do we have to reach before before Americans get their liberty and freedoms back? You know, I, you're indicating liberty and freedom. I look at it as a public health measure to prevent people from dying and going to the hospital. You don't think Americans' liberties have been threatened the last year, Dr. Fauci? They've been assaulted. 
their liberties have. I don't look at this as a liberty thing, Indeed. Congressman Jordan. Well, that's obvious. As a public health thing. <laughs> but the, 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 I disagree with you, you on that. You think the Constitution complete. is suspended during, a, during a, a, a virus, during a pandemic? It's certainly not. This will end for sure when we get the level of infection very low. It is now at such a high level there's a threat, again, of major surge. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, over the last year, Americans' First Amendment rights have been completely attacked. Your right to go to church, your right to assemble, your right to petition your government, freedom of the press, freedom of speech have all been assaulted. I mean, for a year now, Americans haven't been able to go to church. Even today, when they go to church, they're limited in the size of, of, of worshipers who can meet. Your right to assemble? Oh, my goodness. We had a curfew last fall in Ohio. You had to be in your home at 10. In Pennsylvania, you had to be in your home. Uh, when you're in your home, you had to wear a mask. In Vermont, when you're in your home, you didn't have to wear a mask, Dr. Fauci, because you weren't allowed to have yeah. people over to your house. Yeah, yeah Congressman Jordan. Your ability to petition your government well, for a year, for a year, American citizens haven't been able to come to their capital to petition their government to talk to their representatives and freedom of the press. These very pictures that right. Representative Scalise just showed you and talked about, He's talking. Uh, he shows the uh, pictures from the border. All the kids packed into the cage. Sorry, not the cages. The uh, jail-like detention facilities. Guess what? The press isn't allowed in those facilities. The press is not. The Biden administration will not let the press in there. And certainly, freedom of speech. I mean, freedom. Of, uh, governor of our third largest state meets with with physicians, and that and that's that that video is censored because they dare to agree, disagree with Dr. Fauci. So I just want to know, when do Americans get their First Amendment liberties back? You know, I don't think anything was censured because they felt they couldn't disagree with me. I think you're, pers you're pers making this a personal thing, and it isn't. It's not a personal thing. No, you are. That is exactly what you're doing. No, your <laughs> recommendations carry a lot of weight, Dr. Fauci. We mm -hmm. just had the, the chair of yeah. the Financial Services Committee said she loves you, and you're the greatest thing in the world. That's Maxine Waters, by the way, who you're going to hear from in a minute. Will My recommendations are consistent. Will the gentleman yield? No. No, it's my... It's my now, could I answer the question, please? <laughs> my recommendations are not a personal recommendation. It's based on the CDC guidance, which is... Which is and which I'm asking is the question, what measures have to be attained before yeah. Americans get their First Amendment liberties back? I just told you that. I no, you haven't given anything specific. You said, we hope when this... Tell me specifically. Right now, right now, we have about 60,000 infections a day, which is a very large risk for a surge. We're not talking about liberties. We're talking about a pandemic that has killed 560,000 Americans. I, I, and I That's get that, what we're Doc, talking about. And, and I don't disagree with that. And I understand how serious that is. But I also stand it's pretty serious when businesses have been shut down. People can't go to church. People can't assemble in their own homes with their friends, with their families. People can't go to a loved one's funeral. People can't get to their government, petition their representative to redress their grievances. Right. I also understand the First Amendment is pretty darn important. And it's been a year. And I want to know when right. Americans will get those First Amendment liberties right. back. Well, you just said people cannot assemble in their own homes. They can. That's a CDC recommendation for vaccination. Not last people. fall they couldn't. I'm, I didn't hear. Not it. last fall they couldn't. I, I didn't hear what he said. What? And that's the time. The time has expired. Hang on. Um, I'll give you one instance of when we can get. This is Congressman Jim Clyburn. It's been 90 percent. 
of the members of the United States Congress getting vaccinated. Well, I want to know if that's what Dr. Fauci is. Is it 90 percent, Dr. Fauci? Is it 90 percent? That's what I'm that, that's what I'd like to know. Give me some give us some objective standards versus when certain things get reached. We might be able to get back to having our liberty. When? What are the numbers? Well, You're going to see a gradual um, from the right now. We're at an unacceptably high level. We're at on a daily basis. It's unacceptably high, regardless of who you are. What you're going to see as more and more people get vaccinated and we get over three million people a day. You're going to see the level of infection come down and down, and gradually there will be more flexibility for doing the things that you're talking Where about. Where does it get to? When it comes down, what number do we get our liberties back? Tell me the number. Tell when me the number. When 90% of the members of Congress get vaccinated. But you're not a doctor, Mr. <laughs> Clyburn. He is. What is the number? I can't Thank give... you for recognizing me, Mr. Clyburn. Thank the you. Can't recognize this uh, for five I'd minutes. I'd like my question Ms. answered. Ms. If, I don't, I don't want, reclaiming I don't want, my time. Reclaiming my time. Regular order. Regular order. <laughs> Just a moment, Mr. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, I don't want you to answer my question. The American people want Dr. Fauci to answer the well, question. What does well, it have to be? Expire, sir. If you need to respect the chair and oh, shut oh. your mouth. <laughs> That's Maxine Waters. You need to respect the chair and shut your mouth. (laughs) Right. He's asking a perfectly reasonable and rational question. It's part of the problem, though, when you're uh, you're you're working for the cameras and the sound bites. And look, it worked. I'm playing the I'm playing the clip. But if he had just asked the simple question, what's the number? Because that's what he's trying to get to. What's the metric? What's the metric? How many? Because Fauci says we have 60, 60,000 infections per day. Okay, what does that number need to be? Before we come out of lockdowns, restrictions get lifted. Like, what does the number need to be? What metrics, what measures must be attained? He says, and all he says throughout the whole time is, to, uh, the levels are too high. When the levels come down, then we'll be able to make some changes. It's all very nebulous. There's no definitive answer for any of this stuff. And then, of course, the like the most frightening part of it. I don't look at this as a liberty thing. Yeah, we know. We We totally get that. <laughs> We that has become very, very, very clear to everybody watching your performance uh, in all of this. And as the Washington Post columnist Josh Rogan said, quote, we don't have a media environment where we can have that kind of conversation. That should be terrifying. That's a wrap for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for subscribing. If you haven't already, go to the dot com. We'll talk with you later and don't break anything while I'm gone. 